Hello and welcome to episode number eight of the Abundant Living Ecuador podcast. I am Jesse Bayer here with Darnell Dunn. We are the co-founders and managing partners of Abundant Living Ecuador. I will remember uh, this week, very rare occasion, I will remember this week to plug our website. I know a lot of people are listening to these podcasts in various platforms that we have them. So our website is www.abequador.com. That's A as in apple, B as in boy, Ecuador.com. Um, if you aren't familiar with us, we are a real estate and relocation services company based out of Loja, Ecuador. We cover southern Ecuador. Um, largely, Our business is largely geared to foreigners looking to relocate to Ecuador and or invest and do business here. So that's who we are. Um, little uh, Got a little rain today. We're recording on a Saturday. Today got a little little funny weather these last couple of days. There's actually like a drop of humidity in the air. Yeah, it's interesting. That's kind of how it is this time of year as you're sort of changing the seasons. Very, very rarely. It's, so it's like shocking to feel a little humidity because there's just almost very little humidity in the mountains in Ecuador where we are. So we're going to get into a number of topics today. We didn't have a whole lot of time to prepare, so we're going to wing it. Uh, well, we always wing it, but... Um, <laughs> wing it even more today so we hope we like winging it. we like winging it so we hope we have an interesting show for you um let's see let's uh you know maybe start yeah. first with uh josh's article that you wanted to read i think that'll Great. be good to give people an idea of what it can be like living outside of the country and then going back home and what that kind of reverse culture shock is like yeah great yeah, so we our friends over at Viva Tropical, um, who they have a cool business. They they run in a, kind of like almost an investment fund sort of thing. You're welcome to go check out their website. They work more in Panama and Costa Rica and, and Central America, but they, they do a few things in South America as well. Anyways, um, one of the guys over there had written a blog uh, or, or put out an email after a trip that he had taken to San Francisco on business. And I wanted to read it for you because I think it it does a nice job of illustrating a little piece of some of the things that are really nice about living in Ecuador that are kind of hard, or not Ecuador, or you know, living in a place um, that's just more low-key, I would say, than the States or, or places like the States. Um, that some of these things are just kind of hard to verbalize. You just sort of feel them, um, but you know, it's, it's sometimes harder to talk about, and I think he did a nice job. Uh, illustrating that verbally. So I'll, I'll jump right into the article. Um, so he's talking again about coming back. Uh, I, th I don't know if he's coming back to Panama or where he's coming back to, but from a trip to, to the States. So he writes, Two of the biggest things that never cease to amaze me when I visit a big U.S. city are the sheer amount of time people spend in the car getting from place to place and the way they're constantly inundated with marketing messages. They're everywhere. Billboards, radio, magazine ads, toilet stalls. Yes, even toilet stalls. There are marketing messages. Have you ever thought about how bizarre that is? I know I sure didn't, at least not until now. When I lived in the U.S., I probably wouldn't have even noticed those ads, at least not consciously. What I notice now is that this marketing barrage is not neutral. It doesn't go totally unnoticed. At the very minimum, it does at least affect our subconscious mind, and often the messages even affect your conscious mind. 
My coping mechanism is to try not to mentally engage with these messages and just go on with life, but they still have some effect. Most of the time that comes in the form of making me feel like I need something that I don't already have, which is the goal of most ads. As a result, whenever I go back and spend a little time in the US, I find myself feeling like I need things. I'm not trying to make advertisers out to be a bunch of evil tricksters, I'm merely stating the facts. Marketers are masters at getting messages stuck in our heads, and even after adopting a simpler lifestyle, I'm still not immune. Going back to the US and exposing myself to all these messages is a bit of a mental sacrifice for me. In my life in Costa Rica, I'm not exposed to much marketing. I may see an occasional billboard while I'm driving or run across a random person hawking some goods. That actually, that actually happened this morning. Some guy drove a truck through our neighborhood selling fruit and yelling through a loudspeaker. But other than that, I'm not bombarded by marketing messages and advertisements. My subconscious essentially gets to go on vacation, and that feels good and clear and restful. I can say with 100% certainty that it feels great to be able to let go of all that noise and live a simpler life. As usual, I'm happy to be back. So, I just think he, he, puts, a fing he puts his finger on a small piece of just how much more relaxing it is to live here. Absolutely. I can't really speak to that. I haven't been back home, but I know you have. Um, and yeah, I think they do a really good job in general of um, of just communicating those kinds of things, you know, outside of their projects that they have going on and the investments that they do. I definitely encourage anybody who's listening now to uh, check out their website at vivatropical.com. That's vivatropical.com. Yeah. So I mean I know I know just for us it just I mean I know you've you've mellowed out a lot in the in the you know two and a half years or whatever that you've been here I may maybe a little less but <laughs> but you know, I had further to go <laughs> but um but yeah I mean I just I mean we touched on it before but you just it's a very different like vibration it's a very different like kind of like ticker rate you know it's a very yeah. different like speed and you just you can't be here and kind of like have all the BS and all the kind of like personalities not not like like facades like you, you gotta gotta yeah. just relax pretense, and live i think pretense yeah that's better much better yeah exactly and then also having pretense in another language that you don't know <laughs> is also <laughs> very not. difficult doesn't really work out so well so um you know somebody yeah. i actually had a conversation with a uh with a um a girl who's a uh a cousin of a friend of mine he had invited me out. We went to go have a couple of beers last night. And she had lived in Canada for a number of years and learned English. And we were speaking in Spanish. And, you know, my friend was saying, oh, you know, speak in English. And the girl has, you know, been back from Canada a while. You know, has lost some of the English. Didn't feel, I could tell she didn't feel as comfortable talking about it. But she told me something in Spanish that really resonated with me. And she said that learning a new language is almost like having another personality because yeah. each language has its own it in you know i mean a language kind of encapsulates another culture another way of being um another set of social norms and mores and so it's just different um it's hard to be the same person in in a certain way i mean obviously at the core you're the same person but how you communicate and get your message across to other people um 
you know, it's just different because it's 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 kind of a different territory. And I think that was a really good way of describing it. Yeah, the I mean, the language controls behavior to some degree. I mean, the verbal tools you have at your disposal are going to, you know, have a big impact on what you communicate, how you communicate, and in extension how you are. So, yeah, certainly that's interesting. Right. Not to get too philosophical here, but um, <laughs> interesting... Uh, Interesting sidebar, jumping jumping more into Ecuador and money and real estate and all that. Um, so we were recently looking for a loan uh, uh, to expand our business here in Ecuador. And as a result, we had a lot of dealings with the banks here in Ecuador. And also we, you know, are friends with a lot of developers in Loja and, you know, obviously have our, have our hands on the pulse. Um, so that was an interesting experience, and I think it it uh, gives some insight to our listeners as to how that works. So, number one, um, if you're a foreigner in Ecuador and you haven't, you don't have a cedula, which is a national ID card, which you get with a residency. If you don't have a cedula and you haven't been here with that cedula for at least three years, it's very, very, very difficult to even for any bank to even consider you. Um, of all the banks we went to, and we went to a lot, there was only one bank who would allow us to apply given that we didn't have a national ID card that was three years old. Um, and that was a local bank that's based out of Loja. The, the national banks wouldn't even, wouldn't even talk to us for that reason. Not to mention that in that specific case, we have a banking relationship with them that we've had essentially since we've been here. So I think that that sort of factored into the decision to at least allow us to apply. Right. Um, going through the process, it's uh, very different than back home in terms of the standards. So we were looking for a you know, pretty small loan. We were looking for a $100,000 loan. We had uh, a piece of property here that was debt-free. Um, part of the step to get that loan, we needed to put the property up uh, as collateral for the loan. So we had the property valued. Yeah, value. Assessed. Thank you. God, you you forget the English the English vernacular. I'm like, because yeah. it's, it's... That's the word that you would use in Spanish, but like yeah, in English it, it doesn't, doesn't make work. Right, assessed. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. I was even sending an email to my dad the other day about that, and I used that word like valued, and it like, I, I said to him, I'm like, that's not the word, but I forget what the word is. Anyways, we had the property assessed as a requirement in the bank. The property's value came back, assessed value. It's really not yeah. worth quite this much, but right. the property's assessed. Or appraised value. Appraised value, <laughs> yes. Wow, I forgot all of <laughs> The appraised value came back at $2.4 million. Um, so you'd think, okay, well, if you've got a property for $2.4 million in the States, you could get a home equity line of credit up to 50% of that value and get it at a very low interest rate and get it very easily. You know, no jumping through hoops, no proving income, nothing, because, you know, if you don't pay, they have the property. So here, that's not the case at all. Here they're offering us, uh, and this is pretty good, actually, Here they're for here, here they're offering us 11% uh, interest rate on this loan, fully collateralized, and we have to prove income. We have to prove that we can repay it. Um, so very different system. The the banks right now in Ecuador are not loaning for construction. They have stopped across the board loaning for construction. Um, various developers in the area um, are trying to get loans. None of them can get loans, zero. 
Uh, I mean, they can't even get 30 grand out of a bank when they've had, you know, several hundred thousand dollar line of credits at their disposal um, in the past. So that's interesting. The bank's calculation, uh, obviously more goes into it, but the bank's calculation is that um, the market's going to fall because when I say market, I'm not talking about land. I'm talking about uh, mostly condos and yeah, mostly condos. Uh, the market's going to fall because a bit of overdevelopment and, uh, you know, Ecuador Ecuador is going through a time economically where oil prices are dropping. Uh, the government's made some laws that have really hurt the labor market as well. And so, you know, you, Ecuador is up against a couple of headwinds in those ways economically. There's been a ton of development that's gone on over the last years. And so anyways, the bank the banks have stopped lending for construction. They're lending for other things, but stopped lending for construction. So that's created an interesting an interesting dynamic where uh, there's not a whole lot of new projects going on, and there's a ton of projects currently on the market, uh, unpurchased, which makes anybody who's a cash buyer uh, be able to get steep discounts on already very inexpensive uh, apartments. So um, yeah, interesting, interesting tidbit. You know, you can get a loan here, but it's it's a different process for sure. Um, if if you have a way of securing, you know, if you're looking to do projects down here, you know, I think in general you're better off private financing or finding financing in another country and and you know using it here. Right, because it's very easy to bring money into the country. It's another thing altogether to take it out. Yeah. The. Uh, the tax they have on uh, what do they call it? The uh, capital flight tax. Cap- thank you. It's uh, the capital flight tax they have of five percent is 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 it's a killer. I mean, it 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 discourages investment in the country. You know, while while the president is talking about encouraging investment in the country. So. <laughs> you know, speaking of that, uh, I came across a very interesting article that came out a couple of weeks ago titled. I think it was from Reuters. Yeah, from Reuters, titled "Ecuador's Correa Shuffles Cabinet as Economy Struggles." So he recently sacked his uh, production minister. I don't know what that is, but I don't know what that is. But um, here was a quote that I uh, underlined that was pretty funny. She didn't totally share the vision of the president, which is her right. But this is a team. So in other words, you're trying to do things that make sense economically, and as a result, you know you don't share the view of uh, of many of the people in the cabinet, and as a result, you know you got to go. Right. She wasn't socialist enough. What um you had told me before, and maybe you weren't done, but you had told me before something like she she had the best relationship with the or she had smoothed over the relationship with the business <laughs> okay. community. Do you yeah. have that part? Yes, yeah, I do it. Okay, so, yeah, right, here it is, the first, first paragraph. Ecuadorian President Rafael Correa said on Friday that he has accepted the resignations of three ministers as part of a cabinet shuffle that comes at a time where the Andean oil exporter is struggling with low oil prices. Correa said production minister Natalie Selly, who had helped the leftist government improve tense relations with the business sector, was among those who had resigned. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just perfect. I mean, that's just perfect. <laughs> so, you know, 
she she was making some progress and so you know they needed to find somebody else who wouldn't <laughs> right right she you know the business people the business community liked her get rid of her immediately <laughs> <laughs> well he didn't he didn't get rid of her he accepted her resignation <laughs> yeah right right that's kind of like they you know accepting our tax payment <laughs> um that 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 jumps in the i mean there there's this funny anecdote you know it's like it's like you know government and its you know limitless efficiency <laughs> um is really on full display here in ecuador uh you know uh, on sundays for example the mayor has you know got a had a brilliant idea and he decided he's going to cordon off like this whole large section of the city to traffic because i don't know he wants people to walk around <laughs> so so he closed off this whole section of the city um, to traffic, which of course caused traffic problems where there ordinarily wouldn't be in this relatively traffic-free city we live in um, on Sundays, and posted cops at every corner of every single corner of each block that's closed off. So we're talking about like hundreds and hundreds of cops just standing on these corners that already have barriers that they've put in place for the day or for the morning it's like a portion of the day or something um you know it's like these cops in for in ecuador make really good money and they have you know shiny new uniforms and they drive the nicest cars and you know they get all the girls because they've got good jobs and you know and like the cops here are doing really well and most of all of the public sector quote public sector people here do really well um and you know at the expense of the private sector and then you know and then as the labor market goes down and business goes down and everything gets hurt you know then you know Korea blames the private sector when you know he's dest he's destroying the private sector yeah i mean from 2009 to 2014 government spending as a percentage of gdp has increased from 21% to 44% right and it's like, you know, we're paying these, you know, several hundred cops in this small, small city to stand there <laughs> on Sunday. I mean, they're standing there. There's already barriers. Like, they're not directing traffic. They're not, not allowing people to go in. They're just standing there. It kind of reminds me of the, the CNT. There's a, there's a company here. Uh, it's a quasi-government agency. Yeah, it would be like kind of the equivalent of like um, Con Edison or something like heavily regulated quasi-government uh, utility company basically but anyways they do their communications they do phones and internet and, and stuff like that there it's 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 i mean it, it you have to say it's a government company because they're the only people they're the only internet company in ecuador who's got government approval to run at higher than a certain speed right. <laughs> so yeah they have a monopoly on 4g right now and apparently well, that yeah. runs out fairly soon but yeah so anyways, we, we had a couple of issues with our internet recently in our office. We called this company, CNT, to come by and have a look. They've been by two or three times in the last few weeks. And each time they come with three people. One guy drives the car. He then sits outside in the car. Two people come in. One guy stands there and watches, and then one guy works. And, you know, it's just, it's just remarkable. The, the, uh, you know, this, is, this is Correa's idea of, you know, flourishing innovation in <laughs> thank you <laughs> right 
So I'll get off my soapbox, but um, you know, unfortunately, we do have a lot of that in Ecuador. I think the good news on uh, on that is that you know I've made this point several times, but people have really, really, really had enough of that stuff. You public opinion right now, you know, I I just chat with people all the time on the street, and you know, or or daily life and interactions just to kind of understand where people are at. You know, six months or a year ago, it was very different. Um, now you chat with people and people will make all the points that I'm making right now to me. Um, so I think, you know, that's, that's the good news. Right. Absolutely. Now I, I hear the same thing in conversations I have with people. And I think the interesting thing is too, for people who are coming to Ecuador to kind of kick the tires, see if it's a place that they want to be, they're asking those questions as well too. And I think that one of the successful things that this podcast is doing is if we can get people to ask those questions before they come here, I think um, they'll end up with a better experience if they do end up coming. Yeah, right. You I mean you want to go in with your eyes open? Uh, this is not this is not libertarian paradise, but in certain ways it is. Really, it's kind right. of funny that way. It's like there's the whole like you know there's all these like craziness and then there's all uh, tons of freedom as well. It's kind of it's kind of weird that way. Right. I mean the same way that. You know, a lot of people who would come here would say, well, you know, I hear that, you know, this country is going, you know, is going down the path of Venezuela or something like that. Well, you know, those are the people who are coming from the U.S. saying that anybody could look at what's going on in the U.S. and say the exact same thing. Absolutely. Uh, and so it's 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 important just to really have your eyes open and look at what's going on as opposed to relying on what you think of a place or what that place is supposed to represent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would say much more freedoms here than back home from my perspective, but also a lot of government nonsense. Yeah. Um, I wanted to jump in for one second, uh, maybe three seconds, to a topic that if you ha don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore ignore the section uh geoengineering or or chemtrails um those are that was one of the things that um i was looking forward to getting away from uh living in new york for many years uh towards the end i mean there were many days where it was difficult to see the sky you know very thick um we had like i don't know about three days or four days i don't remember if it was last week or the week before where i was seeing quite a bit of it here in loja and it really um, jumped out at me because you see almost none of it. Um, so if, if, if you're looking to get away from that, unfortunately, I think if you fly in a plane during the day over anywhere in the world, you know, it's kind of blanketed the planet. So I don't think you can get away from it entirely. But basically, they don't spray here. Um, so other than those three or four days, you know, I hadn't seen any in a very long time. Once in a while, you'll see a little bit rolling through from somewhere else. You almost never see the lines in the sky. And, you know, very, very infrequently do you get um, any sort of that, that fake cloud cover. <laughs> yeah, that, that did surprise me as well, too. I mean, um, certainly Boston isn't New York, but it's not far behind in that way in coming here and for the first time i just remember thinking wow the sky is actually blue yeah 
So, you know, some people may may be wondering about that here. From on the ground, I would say huge, 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 huge improvement from the states, like like 90, 95% improvement. Um, also, I just wanted to jump in real quick. We, we uh, are, are in the process. We just signed the property yesterday. <clears throat> We're in the process of taking on a new listing. It's kind of indicative, I think, um, of some of the magic of the land here and some of the some of the kind of benefits of what your options are here. Um, this is a 70 hectare property, so multiply that by two and a half if you're thinking about it in acres, which is what, like 200? Um, so a 200 acre or 70 hectare property, uh, it's about 10 minutes outside of Loja, so basically in Loja. Um, you drive up to it on a highway type road, a one lane highway type road. It's it's a road that eventually leads to Zamora. Has just incredible views of the city. Um, you enter the property from the top where it's a little bit elevated and it's a little cooler there because you're up above the city. But then the property winds down into like this very protected valley that's actually warmer than the city. Um, has three different climates on it. You know, lots of flat. Um, it has it borders Podocarpus National Park, and your water source is out of Podocarpus. So you're talking about, you know, some of the best water you will ever taste in your life. Completely protected, completely pure. Nobody above you. Nothing above you whatsoever. Um, it has a waterfall. It has two two large streams. Um, it has all this quartz on it and you know an interesting sidebar you know the owner thinks there's gold underneath the ground and it's funny when you when you're going around looking at properties and talking to people it's amazing how many legends there are about gold being under the ground and of course there is lots of proven gold under the ground and and there's lots of people who pan for gold and there's there's just gold all over ecuador but lots and lots of people who haven't explored it think there's gold for various reasons uh, on their property, and I probably a lot of them are right. Um, anyway, so this this piece of land, which is you know just outside the city, but but feels like wilderness. Um, the guy's asking, I don't know, around two hundred and seventy. Obviously, it could be had for less than that, uh, or no, I'm sorry, around two hundred and fifty, uh, and it could it could certainly be had for less than that. Um, but I mean, I think it's just a good example of. The kind of magic of the properties here. There's a. There's not only is not only is there a big waterfall, and and they describe it as you know they they use the word banyar like to bathe. They describe it as like a place you you know bathe, you swim or wash in. Um, you know they like to go there with their family when it's warm and hang out and you know go into the waterfall. There's also this huge, um, like they they describe it as a tunnel. Uh, may, maybe more like a cave, but it goes way way back, and um. He thinks it's connected to like Inca Inca activity, um, so you know take that for what it's worth. But but it's like those kinds of things are just on most of the properties you look at here. They're just they're kind of just magical in a certain way. Mm -hmm. And speaking of uh, listings, we also signed uh, this week a yeah. Keep what? <laughs> keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Sorry for the interruption. I'm just yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, it's a 3.2 hectare property, has two rivers going through it. 
a colonial, an old colonial, well-preserved place. Definitely needs some work, but would be a great project. Uh, it's halfway between Loja and Vilcabamba. Um, they've got lots of land planted with bananas, coffee, oranges, limes, alfalfa, yucca. There's also three fish ponds that are ready to to, to work on. Um, this property is is um, mostly flat, about 70, 75% flat. Lots of areas for building. Uh, it's listed at 350. Um, so that's another property we have. And the last one we signed uh, last week is a 136 square meter condo, um, top floor condo overlooking downtown Loja within a five minutes of walking of downtown. Um, that's fully furnished, um, fairly new construction, um, great looking building, um, very well located, and we've got that listed at 150. So those will be on the website soon. Um, there might be one or two of those that don't make it to the website because we've got people who are interested in them. Um, but you know the uh, the pro the uh, folder of properties continues to grow. Yeah, th that property in <coughs> Rumishitana that you were talking about, that first one, is really sweet. I mean, two rivers running through it, like fully cultivated, like food everywhere. Yeah, and one of those rivers is, um, or it's actually more like a big stream, but it it's um, the water comes from Protocarpus. Well. Yeah, yeah, and there's almost nothing above that water either. There's like two like tiny, tiny towns, but they don't they don't even touch the they don't they're not that they're not close enough to um, the stream to affect it and when I say tiny towns I'm talking about like 50 people or something mm -hmm. literally like <laughs> like a hundred people yeah, or right. something like if that. that yeah like no store or anything like um, yeah the, my favorite thing about that property is that it's it's um you know obviously location is great being halfway between Loja and Vilcabamba but but just exactly where it's at is so cool because you basically have the Vilcabamba weather maybe like a degree or two cooler but you have basically the Vilcabamba weather which is really warm year-round like really comfortable and warm year-round but it's within Loja uh, it's within the distance of Lo of Loja's rain so you have year-round green you don't dry out like you do in Vilcabamba for those four or five months so you got year-round green but but you're warm that's that's awesome yeah sweet sweet property and you know i haven't seen that apartment but it's indicative of you know you can get great apartments here for for around that price 150 to you know to 210 or whatever you can get you know just beautiful apartments and those are asking prices so, right you know yeah um you wanted to talk about yeah. that uh, Secrets of Money article, right? Yeah, um, I had received an email. We had <coughs> we had talked about him briefly <coughs> on a previous show, but if you're looking to research um, investing and the money system and how that works, um, you know, I just I'll just say for people who who are are learning to think about this this way or interested in another perspective. The money supply controls the prices of all asset classes. Okay, so um, if you if you follow the money supply, the money supply will always tell you 100% of the time how, what price action is going to be 
in the various asset classes. So when the money supply does X, you do Y. When the money supply, you know, that's just that's how it works. Um, that's just uh, sadly overlooked amongst um, the commercial and <clears throat> mainstream investment community, although less and less so. Mike Maloney is somebody who understands that very well, and he works. There's kind of a group of those guys. Robert, I forget how you pronounce his last name. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. He's you know very closely connected to Mike Maloney. Anyways, Mike Maloney, uh, I recently discovered. I haven't watched them, but I'm very familiar with his work. Put out a series of videos um, called "The Hidden Secrets of Money." Uh, you can find them at hiddensecretsofmoney.com. So I and I would encourage anyone who's trying to figure out that story, um, go there and, and watch this series of videos. He's releasing one like I don't know every month or something. I think he's on episode six or seven now. Each one is maybe a half an hour or an hour. Um, and uh, knowing Mike's work, he will he will give you a very very clear understanding of how uh, the money system works, how asset prices work. And, you know, you will have a clearer sense about potentially about, you know, the direction you want to head in if you can wrap your mind around this story. Right. I think another aspect of the money system that I think goes overlooked is how that impacts governments and particularly government spending. I was looking at an interesting article and certainly, um, you know, this can be controversial based on some people's political views. It's a white paper that was put together by the American Enterprise Institute. And uh, that it's titled, uh, it actually just came out last month. It's an interesting read. It's titled, Ecuador, Is There a Future Beyond Korea? And um, the author is talking about um, how his approval how his approval ratings have been have been so high, and he equates that to windfalls from oil prices, significant growth in public sector payrolls, and cash transfers to well over a million low-income Ecuadorians. I think how this ties into the money system is that it just that increase in spending is very much tied to the credit cycle, because that's how you finance growth. When money supply and credit grow. Well, then there's more money to do things, but then that also there there's a seed. The seeds are planted there for contraction because the debt because of the debt because money is debt. So if you create money at interest, well, if I create a hundred dollars today with a five percent interest rate, well, then somebody's got to pay me back a hundred and five dollars at some point in the future, and that five dollars has to come from somewhere. Yeah. That's exactly. I mean, I was watching this, uh, you know, I I sent it to my father who, you know, of course agrees with none of my views, which is okay. (laughs) But um, I was watching this video of this girl. Um, She was 12 years old and she was, she had been selected because I guess she had given this speech before somewhere and people had found out about her or whatever. It was very surprising to see that they gave her such a platform, but she had been selected to speak uh, at some... uh, it was you know I don't have it in front of me but it was some like bankers convention but but maybe more like in a 
more like a watchdog of bankers convention kind of thing. It was like some some organization that lo- looked very official and had the, you know, the, uh, the the thing they put behind the person speaking for the television. And, you know, it was like the bankers convention of Canada or, you know, something like that. Anyways, it was in Canada and there was this 12-year-old girl who they who they gave a few minutes to speak and she she got a few of the things wrong but she was about 80 to 90 percent right and she explained how um the politicians and the bankers have worked to enslave canada (laughs) and 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 through the money system and she explained how money is created at interest basically a bond is issued right A, a a private central bank uh issues currency and that current and the the government borrows that currency from the private central bank and pays interest on it. So the money is created at debt, and then taxes are created to pay back the interest on the debt. And so, what is taxes really? Well, it's a tax on your labor, right? Because if I, you know if I work twenty hours for you know twenty dollars, but then I've got to give you five of those dollars because you'd say so, then I gave you five of my hours of labor so taxes are you know taking your labor from you well if i'm paying taxes to the government to pay back the debt on the money (laughs) because they created it at debt well is that any different from indentured servitude or slavery or any of those words anyways so this girl got up there and you know in like two or three minutes explained it very articulately articulate articulate jesus you, you can't say that that word without saying it right that's like <laughs> but she uh she explained it very well and and you know it was, it was very interesting to see that this 12 this 12 year old girl had figured it out so you know other people can too <laughs> but who's gonna build the roads <laughs> right 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 who's gonna build the, the roads? <laughs> right um so yeah, maybe maybe we'll do a little bit shorter show today, but one one last topic and I don't know if you've got others you want to jump into, but one uh one last topic is I know uh you know and please jump in here Darnell, but I know um you know, moving to a new country uh, or even investing in a new country unless you're just really clear about it and you know exactly what you want to do and by the way, if you're an investor out there, you know, we've got some ideas for you, but um it's a it's a it's a it's a risk it's a challenge it's scary right it's it's i mean i think you know i had some some um i forget the word when uh what's the ah shoot i forget but like negative anticipation like i i trepidation maybe you know i had some 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 you know i don't fears is maybe a strong word but yeah i had some fears in terms of you know i had never been to ecuador when i came here to actually when i moved here i had never been to ecuador or or based not when i moved all my stuff but when i first came to check it out with the intention of staying um i had never been to ecuador and i didn't speak spanish and you know i had seen a lot of hollywood movies with like you know scary looking guys with bandanas and machine guns like you know you know i i had all that nonsense running around in my head so like you know i didn't know what i was getting myself into and you know, I was leaving comfort and security. I had a great business model going in Brooklyn and, you know, I knew my daughter's teachers and, you know, I, 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 you know, loved my house and my neighborhood and my friends and, you know, my family was close by and, you know, I had all of that stuff that's hard to get away from and I had those fears. Um, so I get it. Like, it's definitely a change and challenge and it's not for everybody. But just one thing I think that I just want, I just want to communicate to people is just that, we created this company so that all of the pitfalls there are in moving here are lessened 
to an almost non-existent amount, especially as it relates to making real estate purchases. Um, so, you know, because that whole process is different. And so we wanted to create a company that allows people to buy here without having to be experts on how do I research the title? How do I know how much land is, is actually there? How do I know what I can do with the land? Uh, you know, what are the pitfalls? Is, is there year-round water on the property? Am I going to have rock slides? You know, uh, is, is there electricity close by? Can I connect it? How does that work? You know, do I have access to the property? Is there, you know, and on and on. Like, you know, we've been here a, lo a while. We've researched all those things a million times. We have a very, very proven process for making sure that we weed out any of those issues. And if there are any of those issues, we make you extremely aware of them. Um, you know, our goal is that we have happy clients and, you know, I just, I just want to throw that out for people that that's really kind of in part why we created the company. Right. And we rough and tumbled that. We made some mistakes in the beginning with that, not, not, um, not maybe taking those things into account. And just from a personal perspective coming here, I, I think, um, what I was most fearful of is getting spending too much time at home after I stopped working and maybe coming up with a reason why I wouldn't come I already made the decision to come so as soon as I was done I just did it so that I didn't have a way out um, that was important for me um, the other thing coming here too is that you're just one of the hardest things to adjust to for me in the beginning was just the language barrier in terms of not being able to express myself in the way that I wanted to or not feeling like people understood what I was saying or what I was trying to accomplish and you know not being around lots of people that you know it's kind of like you're out on an island a little bit you know it was like you know Jesse and I came here together at the same time it was like other than Jesse there wasn't anybody else to talk to really no family, um, no other friends. Um, so that that was something that, you know, was difficult, but I really wouldn't have changed it at all. You know, Jesse, you were talking a little bit about how from my from your perspective, I, you know, mellowed out a little bit from coming here. But that wouldn't have happened if I, you know, was able to come here and be in total comfort with everybody that I knew. And, and you know, I could say that, oh, you know, all these family members and friends came to visit me because, um, you know, that didn't happen. And, you know, you get a little bit of time with yourself and you get to, I think, understand yourself more as a person and and um, understand a little bit more about, you know, what you want out of life and what you're trying to do in a specific scenario or instance or what have you. Yeah. And, and I mean, we also came to places, I mean, I was, I originally came, moved to Vilcabamba where there w was a a huge a large english-speaking community so my transition in that way is probably you know less scary than yours um you moved right to loja where there's like you know five other guys who speak english mm -hmm. um so you know there there are those options for people like hey you know if you really if it's very important to you to have a really large expat community there's places like cuenca um you know if you're if you're interested more in you know the full Ecuadorian experience, or you know, I don't know if that's really the right way to say it. But if you're if you're in, if that's not as important to you, um, you know, there's places like Loja if you're looking for cities, and obviously towns outside of Vilcabamba. You know, maybe a couple on the coast like um, 
uh, what's the kind of hippie town? Uh, 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 Montanita. Montanita. Um, you know, there's not many places you'll find a ton of English speakers, but but in towns, but certainly in some cities. Obviously, in Quito, there would be there would be some some significant community as well. Monta as well. Monta, yeah, yeah, and a little bit in Salinas. Right. Um, oh yeah, big time in Salinas. In Salinas, yeah. There's like. A, like a very large percentage of of real estate broke English speaking real estate brokers live there or have offices yeah. there, so you can kind of find what you're looking for in that way. I mean, for my money, like yeah, I mean, if you're just looking to retire or if you're just looking to kind of sort of almost live your same life but here, then yeah, I think like maybe a place like Cuenca or a place on the coast that's got other expats um, that you can just kind of settle right in and you know do that then then yeah i think that's that's the way to go but for my money you know these little towns and these little pieces of land in el oro province and loja province and Azuay province i mean they're just amazing and, and undiscovered and yeah you know you're gonna have to get to know your neighbors and like figure all that stuff out but it'll be fun and and you know i, I think you'll be better for it like i think kind of getting to what you said like it kind of makes you face some stuff that, right you know yeah absolutely no, and that's the, I think that's what, one of the coolest things about living here is just that there's something here for everybody. Like, our your experience or my experience doesn't necessarily have to be the next person's experience. It can really be whatever they choose it to be. And, um, you know, we're here to help whoever's coming to have that experience that they're looking for. Right. The, the, I looked it up, the, she, the twelve-year-old girl was giving a speech at the Public Banking Institute in Canada, whatever that is. But it's very official looking. Yeah, I'm sure they they help a lot with oversight and. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, usually, the more official looking something is, you know, the the less validity it has to it. So I was very surprised that this girl was saying something uh, relatively true. <laughs> so looks like looks like the sun has poked its head out potentially here. Maybe uh, I don't know. I want to go to the park and throw a football. Yeah, I uh, I wouldn't mind doing that either. But I've got uh, I got a couple of appointments this afternoon, unfortunately. So we'll uh, I guess we'll get out of here early today. I uh, hope you enjoyed episode eight. Oh yeah, a couple of more things before we get yeah, out yeah. of here. A couple of plugs for some upcoming shows. We've uh, been fortunate enough to get some commitments from some great people to join us on the podcast. Next week, we'll have Dave Johnson, who is the founder of Cuenca Ecuador. Or, Expats. Yeah, yeah, it's Cuenca Expat Magazine. Uh, it's Cuenca's only English language magazine. He's going to be coming in and talking about his process for you know getting to Cuenca Ecuador, um, how he likes living there. You know what his experience has been like having a uh, a young son live with him here in a foreign country, and then talk a little bit about the magazine, some initiatives that he has planned. So we're excited to have him join us. That'll be next week, and then the following week, it looks like we'll have uh, Jorge Jaramillo on the show. He's uh, the principal and um, a lawyer at Solve Asesores Legales, and he'll be talking a little bit about the business climate in Ecuador. Uh, some of the things he's hearing from his clients, uh, and just a little bit about um, his life and um, life in Loja. He's a good friend of ours. We work with him, and um, he'll also be um, he'll also be. I don't know what else we'll cover with him. 
I don't know, but he's I mean he's a very 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 well connected lawyer in Loja. He's got his ear to the ground for sure. So that'll be that'll be very very interesting show. So that's what we got lined up for the next two shows coming up. Thanks again for joining us this week and we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend.